0: any disease.
1: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety?
2: It's Thursday, July 9th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. There's an ongoing discussion about how COVID-19 spreads through the air. We know that it can spread from respiratory droplets when someone coughs or sneezes, but there's a growing body of evidence showing that it can spread through even smaller, aerosolized droplets that can linger in poorly ventilated areas. Kat Eschner, contributing editor at Popular Science, joins us for why COVID's airborne transmission may deserve more attention. Thanks for joining us, Kat. Thanks for having me. As we learn more about the coronavirus and how it is transmitted from person to person, we've kind of already established that in-person gatherings, being in the same room with a lot of people, tends to be the way it gets transmitted more easily. Early on, they said, you know, you got to be careful for surfaces and wash your hands. And while that is something we should still be doing, it tends not to transmit as easily that way. And the big discussion right now is whether the transmission of COVID-19 is transmitted through aerosolized droplets or these bigger droplets that come out when you're coughing or sneezing. And there was 239 experts that were pushing the WHO, the World Health Organization, to look into this a little bit more Kat, tell us a little bit about this.
3: So first of all, just to explain the difference between the two kinds of droplets, because I think there's some confusion about that. So where we get that magical six feet number, you know, how you're told to stay six feet away from people who you're not in a bubble with, is because of those large droplets. So when you cough, when you sneeze, when you sing, when you talk loudly, some of these things can produce these large droplets containing lots of the virus that can travel up to six feet. But they're relatively heavy, and so they fall to the ground about there. But there's a growing body of really compelling evidence to suggest that people are getting COVID-19 from other people who might be a room away. And the scientists who study this say that's because the tiny droplets, these tiny aerosolized droplets, can actually carry enough of the virus to make someone sick. Now, it's a bit more complicated than that because... What's actually happening is there are a lot of people in a room or in an environment and the amount of the virus sort of builds over time in that environment until people are inhaling enough small droplets that they might be getting the virus. But that's the sort of root of the difference between those two things.
2: I mean, that's all kind of informing our understanding of how this is transmitted. And really, this becomes a story about wearing masks, about having less people indoors and about having good ventilation In places, That's why, you know, a lot of people keep pointing to bars and restaurants and churches as well, where there's a lot of singing, a lot of chanting, different things like that. If it is true that the coronavirus lives in these tinier aerosols and they can build up in a room, well, that's how people are going to be getting it a lot easier. So one of the things this letter that was sent to the WHO, a lot of experts are saying you guys need to look into this more or issue guidelines that reflect this. Why has the WHO had a hard time in confirming this or just saying something about it?
3: So that's a really interesting question, because you would think that the World Health Organization, this big organization, would be on this sort of emerging data very quickly. Now, my colleague Apoorva Mandavilli of The New York Times is doing great work on the uh, World Health Organization angle and sort of the politics of why they're having trouble putting this together and being so slow to respond. She broke that story last week, so I would refer you to her work, but I wanted to take it a step further and look at the science angle, because that's what we do here at Popular Science. And I think the most notable thing is that there is just like a really convincing body of evidence that this kind of transmission is happening and that simple steps like the ones you mentioned, so like mask wearing and other interventions like thinking about indoor air circulation can really help.
2: Going back to the WHO and the piece from the New York Times that you were mentioning, there was a couple of meetings that they've gotten together with already to kind of discuss this. But they said that some of those meetings were kind of. Overtaken by people who are more supporters of washing hands and emphasizing the cleaning of surfaces. So they haven't really gone to this jump, but there actually has been an update where the WHO said that they are getting some expert committees together to go over the evidence of transmission of the virus and they plan to release some updated recommendations in a few days. So I'm wondering if they will make an overall recommendation for mask wearing or something like that. But it seems to be that the WHO kind of got the hint and that they're actually going to start exploring this a little bit more. Well, I think some important context
3: on the WHO as an organization is that when they issue a guideline, for instance, they have to think about global context. They have to think about all the different places in the world and how that guideline might be reinterpreted, reused. And they have to think about their own organizational priorities. And one of the things about hand washing, which you mentioned, is that hand washing is a really effective catch all measure for disease prevention. So hand washing doesn't just prevent COVID 19, which I, given the methods of transmission of COVID 19, hand washing is not a bad idea. Hand washing is a good idea. But beyond that, it also prevents diarrheal diseases, it prevents food poisons, like it's it's just a really good catch-all. So I'm not surprised to see the World Health Organization still focusing on hand-washing as a measure. But with COVID-19, there is like a really substantial body of evidence now that other interventions are more needed and that those interventions are frankly a bit more complicated just looking at this from their perspective, they might think those interventions such as masks or such as providing incentives for businesses to really look at their HVAC systems or buy an external HEPA filter, like those kinds of things are things that will not be easy to do everywhere. So I think that really informs the way they're making their recommendations. I do think that it's really important that they provide up-to-date scientific recommendations because that's their job and I would like to see them Right on these tiny droplet findings. But, you know, if they haven't done it yet, that is some of the possible reasons why.
2: Kat Eschner, contributing editor at Popular Science. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.